0: With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom, reach new audiences, and bring important information to the public free of charge. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to TNTradio.live. Navigating through the minefield of misinformation, intelligence operations, predictive programming. This is Connecting the Dots with Matt Arrett on today's News Talk TNT Radio. All right, welcome for the second hour of connecting the dots. I am your host, Matt Arid, and we will be joined today for our second guest, um, a figure who I've I've admired for many many years. I'm proud to call my friend uh, Professor Michel Chusidovsky, who honestly, if I chose to read his biography in full right now, we wouldn't have a show. The whole it could fill up the entire one hour segment. So to be brief, if people don't know Professor Chusidovsky. Um, get out from under the rock that you've been living in. Go to globalresearch.ca is a fantastic uh, resource that everybody should be using on a daily basis. He's the director of the Center for Research and Globalization, a professor emeritus at the University of Ottawa. He's worked around the world. He has advised governments. He's befriended Fidel Castro and, and interviewed him. He has advised or spoken to in, in a friendly term, Mahatir Mohamed, and many other things throughout the course of a very, very rich, multi-decadal career. And I'm very, very happy today to discuss some breaking events and some history so michelle thank you so much for joining us
1: well i'm delighted to be on the program and uh, and i i value hospitality and and commitment also to analysis and truth which is really the which which is much needed at this particular juncture and i in in perhaps what we are living is now the most serious crisis in world history most serious economic social crisis in world history uh very complex um and um and it also requires a historical background but what's happening in palestine is interconnected with what's happening in 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 other parts of the world and mm-hmm. it's based on power structures and so on and so forth um mm-hmm. The best thing you ask me, the, the, the question. You know, let, let,
0: let, that, that's great. Yeah. No, and,
1: I, I, and every generation
0: we often hear, everybody kind of thinks that we're the center of the world and we always hear this is the most important. You know, I think at almost every moment in human history, uh, there there are a lot of people who think, wow, this is this is the most important time in, in history. However, I do believe, as you just alluded to, that this there is something very uh, specific about our moment, which is not tied to ego, but that is tied to very... Um, objective metrics, the systemic crisis, the breakdown of the system—a lot of very, 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 very big forces are at play, and that are culminating now at a bifurcation point, for good or for bad. However, that this turns out, the future is underdetermined. So, I do think that this is very real, and the point of Israel, Palestine, Gaza is one of those spark plugs. So, I am glad that you brought this up because I do want to start the conversation. Uh, just, you know, recently, the International Court of Justice heard cases from South Africa and many which were endorsed by many nations of the world trying to make the case that look a genocide is happening we need to do something force some form of uh policy to to stop this genocide which has already killed upwards they speculate above 30,000 people many most of them civilians children women um what have what we've seen in response has been no respect by the forces leading Israel currently. And in fact, as of today, we've seen an increased danger of an imminent invasion of Rafa. The the defunding of the UNRWA, which has provided core relief, that's kept people alive. That is being cut off now uh, by Benjamin Netanyahu's regime. What is your take on that situation currently?
1: Well, first of all. I don't think we have to applaud the decisions of the International Court of Justice mm. that court is criminalized and by that I'd like to simply mention I've looked at the legal clauses but <clears throat> the decision of the uh, of the International Criminal Court uh, I'm sorry the International Court of Justice is a request the state of Israel to prevent and punish genocide or acts of genocide. It's very explicit. And then it refers to the convention, the genocide convention. But the problem is that it is the state of Israel represented by the Netanyahu government, which is leading this genocide, and they are requesting the the Netanyahu government to prevent and punish. Now, one has to look at the legal terms. I must say, I've I've looked through the the, the the statements, but in essence, that that decision is a green light, as you'd say in French, carte blanche, to the Netanyahu government to continue what it's doing. So, so people have to understand that they've turned it upside down they've given the authority to the state of israel to prevent and punish mm. when in fact they should be punished okay now the second issue has of course has to do and i've i've written on that extensively uh it's also on my substack um the other dimension is Uh, is the false flag, okay? Mm. Now, people will say, oh, we don't want to deal with false flags. There's a history of false flags that goes back at least 20 years. I've documented that very carefully, okay? It was justified vengeance, and then they even had other terms for it. And essentially, a false flag is ensuring the, the casualties on the Israeli side, deaths, on the israeli side and then use that as a pretext to justify uh to justify an invasion which was prepared well in advance and i should mention another thing the united states is behind this process this is not this is a joint uh israeli uh us operation and that of course has a bearing on on the International Court of Justice, because the president of the of the court uh, is a former, she was with the State Department under Hillary Clinton as a legal advisor. She takes her she takes her orders from Washington, and in other words, it's what you call it. Uh, quite obviously, in legal terms, is um, you know, it's a conflict of interest. She's in the conflict for for,
0: for the, for those who don't, who, who may not believe that, uh, Google Joanne Donahue and, uh, yeah, exactly what Michelle Chustosky just said. You will be able to verify yourself. This was an legal advisor to Hillary Clinton, the woman who oversaw the destruction of Libya and the bragging about killing Gaddafi and so much more. That person is the president of the international court of justice. So, yeah, thank you. Uh, I don't want to derail you, but continue please.
1: No, but I mean you know there's another thing. They the, 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 the well, the South African um the Republic of South Africa did not raise the issue of US involvement and I for, for obvious reasons I'm not I think that's something we can accept. But the fact is that Israel doesn't operate um uh, a project of this magnitude without coordinating with its counterparts both is both military as well as as intelligence and so on that is absolutely clear but now if you uh, if you look at the reports of the new york times authoritative reports they acknowledge that um, that first of all, the Hamas so-called invasion, which was which was part of this uh, of this false flag, it was known to the Israeli military and intelligence apparatus at least a year ahead of time. okay, They knew what was going on and they are part of it. And they are they and we know what we know what false flags are historically. Um, but I must say that the 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 idea of a false flag is to trigger deaths of uh, Israeli deaths to to provide the Israeli government with a pretext and a justification to go ahead and wage the genocide. So uh, there we are. And, and all of this is known and documented, but the the false flag, should have been raised uh in of course in the in the procedure of, the, of South Africa I'm not criticizing them for doing it but now we as analysts we have to we have to review it yeah, yeah and we also know that there was uh there was a very detailed plan to wage the genocide which which was uh formulated ahead of time.
0: Could you uh, speak to that a little bit as far as some of the most persuasive facts that you have encountered that demonstrate that this was, as you say, and as I believe as well, I've I've looked at some of the facts, um, a false flag that was premeditated before October the 7th. What are the most persuasive things that really uh, surprised you and, and have brought you to that conclusion?
1: Well, first of all, uh, uh, we could s- simply I- I've tried to go through this very carefully. Um First of all, there's a historical background of false flags mm. going yeah. back to uh, to the nineties, okay? Mm. And and they're well documented. And they don't hide it. They yeah. they say, well, we're going to wage this uh once we get uh once Israelis start getting killed. Okay? Now uh, the thing is that it is so well documented. And we have witnesses from the, the Israeli Defense Force. We have statements by Netanyahu. I don't have them in front of me, but he essentially says we must give money to Hamas. He says it. Yes, yes, he says it. We must give money to Hamas so that, the, uh, so that. But the, they're not giving money to the civilian arm of Hamas. They're giving money to specific the militant individuals wing. Which who are intelligence assets. It's yeah, absolutely- And here we're
0: referring to, I, I would imagine we're referring to many of those billionaires who are based in Qatar, who are uh, sort of the nominal heads overseeing the administration of, of the worst elements of Hamas
1: is what you're referring to or uh, other things um, as well? I, I mean, these intelligence operations are very, very complex. Mm, yes, but Essentially, these are intelligence assets. They've infiltrated, right. yeah. I mean, in the same ways the United States in, um, has- uh, Al Qaeda. Well, Al Qaeda is a creation of of, uh, of of U.S. intelligence. We know that. Right. Nobody denies it. But so that Hamas has a civilian arm, it it it's and I think we respect Hamas as an entity. But there are elements within Hamas who are uh, uh, complicit in this agenda, and Egypt is also involved. Now that that is my my last text. Um, it, which is uh, which is at global research now, but I, I think we also have to look at the broader perspective of 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 this Middle East war because this is not an agenda which is confined to Palestine. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, we have to reflect on the fact that maybe genocide is becoming the new normal. It's something which is being accepted. Well, it's been accepted by by our leaders, by our governments. Ultimately, if there are hesitations, it, it's because there's a grassroots solidarity movement against uh, against the, the, these acts of these atrocities. And and uh, but I mean, we have to reveal the lies, and we have to reveal the criminality of the judicial system. Nobody wants to talk about that. Okay uh and and we know that that judicial system is corrupt um and we know it also because they they uh, if you if you look at how they formulate acts of criminality in relation to the enemies of the United States of America, let's say Putin was accused of kidnapping children from from the Donbass region and these children are now in a they have an education uh, they are. They saved. He was. He saved them. Okay. Yeah. He Taught them to, <laughs> to uh, and and it's well documented. They're there. They 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 they're in a college and they're going to get education and their and it's, and their relatives some, well the families left as well but some of them have stayed on and they're involved in the battle and so on, but. Uh, that really gets me into the other arm of of what's going on in in in, in the world, and and I said as, as as I said now we're looking at we're looking at several war theaters which are we have we have the, uh, the Eastern European war theater with Ukraine, we have the Middle East war, and the main target is Iran, and that's mm-hmm. for obvious reasons. Iran is is the largest uh, one of the has the most uh, has the large uh, reserves of oil and natural gas worldwide, um, mm-hmm. and it is a strategic uh, location. And it is this is really what is the driving force. It's 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 the confiscation of of wealth um, yeah. of uh, of um, countries which produce oil and then. And of course, the Middle East. I, I was once asked at the, at a conference uh, uh, in Montreal, uh, because this issue of of uh, Iraq Iran, um, which was formulated in the in in the nineties, uh, first Iraq, then Iran. It, it it's part of a. Of, um, you know, it's part of uh, military. There's a there's uh, a planned
0: yeah there's a planned array of nations for to go through regime change on a list that has been made public that anyone can just look at the clean break doctrine uh, for a strategy for securing the realm. It's public. People can read it and see exactly what uh, the, the neocon um, grouping was preparing to do. They said it, and then they did it from Iraq, Afghanistan, Libya, Syria. Iran was high up on that list as the as the epitome uh, to get to that objective, and you could see it. You're, you're not speaking hyperbole at all, and I would like to, we're going we're gonna to take a quick break, and uh, we're going to listen to a couple of of ads, and we're going to come right back on TNTradio.live to continue this conversation. TNT's
2: Timothy Shea. The race is essentially now Vivek Ramaswamy and Nikki Haley. Ron disappoints we will be pulling his hat from the ring, next. And the issue, as always, is why
0: is the Nikki taking so much of the left's money? Well, maybe this will give you a little insight. She credits Hillary Clinton with inspiring her to enter politics, having attended a women's leadership summit at which Hillary spoke. And Nikki said, and I quote, I then had to decide whether I was a Republican or Democrat. See, Nikki has no core beliefs other than doing whatever her globalist masters, paymasters, want her to say. The Reckoning with Timothy Shea on today's News Talk TNT.
2: When you can point me to an industry, to a platform that reaches 250 million people a month, virtually nine out of 10, Americans. That's real. That's substantive. That's important. And that reach and that touch point and that daily reinforcement, it's an amazing place to be able to communicate messages. That's massive. To find out more, go to TNTradio.live.
0: Plug in. Website. TNTradio.live. Check it out. Today's News Talk Radio. It's the coolest. TNT. All right. Welcome back to the second segment of the second hour on connecting the dots on TNT Radio. Uh, I, still con- with me is Professor Michelle Stusadovsky, and we've been going through some of the developments um, and the insanity, the the insidiousness of of inside jobs, false flags, and specifically um, the the drive to blow up Iran, which is a long time objective by certain factions within uh, the establishment that um, really. It strikes me as completely insane. Like by doing this, it it doesn't seem like it will benefit even those in in Israel, in Washington, in Brussels or in London, maybe, who are 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 facilitating this or advancing this. Um, it would just, in my mind, create a world of hyper instability. It would, it would definitely make the the world that the Israelis are living in much more unstable and dangerous. It would probably put put the entire Arab world um at the throat of, of the Israelis living in that area, as well as the United States more generally. who So what, is, what do you think is the calculus or the, the logic, if, if you want to call it that, for those who have been pushing this?
1: Well, you know, the United States of America has a hegemonic project which goes back in history, and it's, it's the conquest uh, and it's also the the recolonization of a, of a number of countries and and it's ongoing uh, and we've seen it ongoing in the middle east uh, for the last uh well it's more than uh, more than 10 years now i i was in i was in syria just before it it happened uh, and and i uh, and i saw it happen uh but um and iran has been on the has been on the drawing board of the pentagon for since 1995 formally now when we the us central command which is the command is the regional command in the middle east of the united states and they brought out a report saying first iraq then iran and it was very clear that this was a plan of conquest and, and all those wars have an economic objective. In, in other words, we've, we've lived through religious wars, but every single religious war has a, is really is, is an economic war. It's to confiscate the assets and the resources of countries. And, and uh, in the case of Iran, we're talking about uh, natural gas, where they have something of the order of 24% of the reserves of natural gas worldwide they're the major petroleum um, um um country and and power mm. um and 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 so on it, it in in other words it's really to acquire that that wealth of iran okay. and 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 um, and that is the objective it's the economic um process which which uh which is therefore yeah sure <laughs> okay right.
0: no no that that's good no and i, I just to remind people that, that yeah that we are in a in a this logic of brute force might makes right as a as an ethos uh is really something which has caused uh centuries or if not millennia of destruction and wars and and it's it's painful to listen to those who are promoting this bloodshed as being the the virtue signalers pr- trying to sell themselves as though we here in the collective rules based international democratic order West are the free society of of democracy against the authoritarians. And, um, you know, recently, uh, Tucker Carlson did something with Putin a couple of days ago, which is, I think, a useful thing overall to give people a sense of what is Putin actually saying in an unbroken line of thought for, you know, rather than just having things clipped out and, and given new context by a, a mockingbird analyst. Um, a lot of history was brought in, and and one of the things that struck me was this this deeper historical arc of, that that was that was part of Putin's analysis of what is shaping the world. Why is this military uh, intervention on, underway in Ukraine? And and also, what struck me while I was listening to that, and I know you're a a, a wonderful historian, it was the hypocrisy that you have Tucker representing a voice trying to pass himself off as the benevolent or representative of the benevolent Western empire, um, which the world knows and, you know, much better than 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 what China could be or something. (laughs) And um, and yet he's overseeing a nation which has taken Puerto Rico, Hawaii, California, uh, New Mexico and uh, overthrown something like. 200 plus elected heads of state over the past 80 years uh, in the world under CIA regime change. And it's under it's still underway. So the hypocrisy was loud. And and I remember I was reading something by you where you point out that there was actually a U.S. invasion of Russia that a lot of people have not really thought about too deeply. Uh, yeah. Could you could you say a, something about that? And no, how that, no, that factors in. Uh,
1: I I I uh, looked through the uh, I I. Looked at the interview, I, I would say I would give credit to Tucker Carlson um, at least for having undertaken this this uh, um, initiative, uh, and and it 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 I think it it creates dialogue and um, and ultimately what uh, Putin put forth. He didn't put forth some very important things. Now that's where it comes in. Okay, <laughs> and I want to stress uh, the seventh of November nineteen seventeen is what is called the October revolution. Well, they have a difference in calendars, but it was in our calendar, it was the seventh of November mm-hmm. now that was that was overthrowing well, it was essentially overthrowing an existing transitional government, but it was also overthrowing. The 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 tsarist regime, uh, and establishing uh, and establishing so-called communist. Well, it wasn't even a communist uh, agenda right from the start. Um, it but what happened, and this is not in the history books, that within about two months after the seventh of November, on the twentieth. Um, oh, I'm sorry. On the twelfth of January, nineteen eighteen, a NATO-style war involving ten countries uh, was led into uh, into invading the Soviet Union, or at least, well, it was, it it was not called the Soviet Union at the time. It was called Soviet Russia, and so on and so forth but in any event that war took place started on the 12th of january in other words about 2 months after november 7 and it lasted for about 2 years and there were 200000 troops 200000 troops were involved in that war and essentially it was there to literally to destabilize the 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 soviet project now um so that is one element now i get into the second i'll give you a, a very brief his, his chronology mm-hmm. um the second element is the onslaught of world war Two, and i should mention uh that Adolf Hitler's election campaign was funded by Wall Street, mm-hmm. okay? We, we have a lot of literature on that, but it was an initiative of both the Federal Reserve and the Bank of England, and there were meetings, and his, in other words, it was a regime change. Um, Adolf Hitler uh, led what was called a national socialist government um Nazi National Socialistische Partei Deutschland. And uh the Dallas brothers were present at the meeting and the, the Federal Reserve had representatives, etc. And they said we're going to we're going to help you. And now and I recall that very clearly, the first thing uh I don't want to simplify very complex historical processes, but there is a sort of in relationship between neoliberalism and and neo and Nazism. The mm. first thing that was initiated by the the government of uh, of Adolf Hitler was the privatization of the railways. Okay, mm. and, that, and that and 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 at the same time, there was a very vast amount of 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 US interest there. But the main issue there, and that, and I, I must insist on that, World War II would not have taken place, and particularly the Operation Barbarossa, without the shipments of oil, by Standard Oil of New Jersey, to the Nazi government, from its inception, right until 1945, you don't wage a war on the Soviet Union without petrol, mm-hmm. and they didn't have it. They had some in Romania. They uh, they didn't have access to oil, and uh, and this has been amply documented uh, by historians. Uh, Jacques Powell's uh, um, have brought out a book on this. And the fact is that uh, well, there were other factors. There were, co- there were certainly complicities also by the Bush family, which have been documented. Mm-hmm. And, and there they they were joint investments and, and so on. I don't want to get into that, but very simply, people understand that uh, the invasion of the Soviet Union uh, required petrol, to go on with the tanks and, and armored cars. It was conventional warfare, and they were provided by the United States of America. Now, um, that is something which is historical. Now, let me move forward to the early war period. Mm-hmm. Um, we had Hiroshima and Nagasaki, the first use of nuclear of, of nuclear weapons, we had the Manhattan Project, w- which was initiated in 1939 with the participation of, of, um, of Britain and Canada for the development of atomic bomb. And then we had the two atomic bombs launched respectively on the 6th and the 9th of, 8th uh, oh, or 9th, uh, yeah, I think it was the 8th, uh, depends on the timeline. Um, on these two cities. And uh, and then we had, and nobody knows this, that on the 15th of September, which is slightly more than a month after Hiroshima and Nagasaki, uh, the War Department of the United States of America issues, or a, a, the, these are classified documents, but I, you read them 30 years later. But what was revealed was, first of all, to bomb 66 urban areas of the Soviet Union with more than 200 atomic bombs. And it was formulated on the 15th of September, 1945, when the two countries were allies, okay? Wow,
0: wow. And, this and is, nobody this is, knows. The, this is around the time that the the OSS is being disbanded, right? And and they're preparing the groundwork for a, a reorganized American intelligence uh, agency well, the, as
1: well. No, the OSS was disbanded. Uh, uh, was was uh, really disbanded after the Vietnam War. Okay.
0: Why? I, well, I, I, I mean, because be, before the CIA, you had the. Uh, the, right. the OSS in in September. I think they did, it was in September around that same time that they they were disbanding that and and Dulles and others were reorganizing it at that same moment to prepare the groundwork for the CIA to be brought online in in, in forty seven. But uh, yeah, that's interesting. Okay, they they okay, were I mean, calling for bombing the bombing of the Soviet Union while they were still allies. I didn't know that.
1: But more than that, uh, if you look at the documents, uh, we've published this. Now and they they're all they declassified documents. You can't simply refute it. You can't say, oh no, that's an opinion. No, it's not an opinion, okay? The same way as, as the invasion of, of, of the Soviet Union in, in 1918 on the 12th of we have the US and Allied troops in Vladivostok in tonight. I we've got all those documents. But what is very serious here uh is that the nuclear issue that the Manhattan Project was intended not to be used against Nazi Germany, and there's evidence to that effect, but to be used against the Soviet Union. We've got all the documents. And 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 then, and we even have the, the correspondence between Oppenheimer and the and the commanding officers and so on and so forth. And they said, we're going to use oh, going, the, the dress rehearsal was was these two Japanese cities because they 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 quote them in the document saying, "Well, we killed so many people in in um, and we what kind of wep- weapon systems and deployment do, uh, must we plan? And for big cities, it was six bombs. Let's say for Moscow and and." Uh, uh, and uh, Leningrad, uh, the, uh, that was the name of St. Petersburg at the time, it was six atomic bombs. And for smaller cities like Rostov-on-the-Don, it might be two. It's all there. It's all for people to see. So who initiated the uh, the arms race? It was the United States of America, because nobody would have gone in and, and developed nuclear weapons had it not been for the threat formulated on the 15th of September in fact it was formulated much earlier but it was officially in the documents we have it in, for 1945 15th of September 1945 uh, i can't be more precise than that but uh, but uh, bear in mind uh there was another uh there was another uh, war against against the Soviet Union which wasn't which was not implemented and it was it was contiguous with with the with this uh, with the uh, with the manhattan project's uh, plan to to bomb the soviet union it was called it was winston churchill who said operation unthinkable now that was a secret attack uh, against the soviet union uh, formulated by winston churchill um, in in the in the wake of the Yalta conference, it was the the Allies didn't think that they were able w- would be able to do it, but they were, that was even before the end of, of World War II. it was it was scrapped in 1945. yeah, I'll just
0: say a a quick word on that, too, before we go for a quick break, (laughs) is that uh, an element of Operation Unthinkable was continued in the form of Operation Gladio and NATO secret armies that utilized part of the the logic was, okay. well, we'll we we can use these different fascists as part of a secret shadow army that would carry out guerrilla warfare against uh, the communists. Now, part of the invasion aspect that was not that was shelved. But the other part of that plan was kept in motion. And that did create a, an, a vast, vast, uh, well, people can just Google Google Operation Gladio and have your mind blown if that hasn't mean anything to you yet. That being said, we're going to continue this exposition of history regarding the what seems like um, a centennial, if not longer, agenda to destroy Russia. Um, with Michelle Shustovsky and I'm, I'm Matt Eret on TNT Radio. We're going to come back in a couple of seconds. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective.
2: Well, the latest in the Michael Mann versus Mark Stein trial is a little bit interesting and I'm trying to figure out if this is right. Apparently, Dr. Mann's lawyers, there are four of them and remember, Mark Stein is defending himself by himself. Apparently, they've asked for a nominal fee as far as damages go. And there is a rumor that what was asked for, now sit down, you ready for this? Was $1. Now, Mark Stein has spent around $3.5 million, I've heard. I don't know, maybe it's more, maybe it's less. Defending himself from Michael Mann and Michael Mann's lawsuit over the fact that Mark Stein thinks that Michael Mann hid the data and he called him a fraud, right? Now, I could see, for instance, let's say, uh, the number one climatologist in the world said that to you. That's one thing, but Mark Stein is a journalist. That's the first thing. Second thing is, he had to raise the money to defend himself, and we've gone over this. But one dollar? Why would Michael Mann only want one dollar? You know why? He just wants the decision. He just wants to be able to say, see, he actually did defame me. I won the court case. Well, I don't think Stein wants any part of that because of the fact that he wants to drill it home that what Michael Mann did, take two samples out of 22, and then hide, he did. He hid the data from people who would criticize it and actually tear it apart. Mark Stein wants that to come out. One's pursuing the truth, the other seems to be hiding it. This is TNT climate and weather watchdog, meteorologist Joe Bastardi, asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you got.
1: I didn't ask to be thrown in the streets with nowhere to go, but I did ask for help and Covenant House was there for me.
0: One in 10 young adults will experience a form of homelessness this year. For these kids who didn't ask to be put in this unthinkable situation, Covenant House is there providing hot meals, a safe place to sleep, medical care, and love.
2: They just really genuinely just wanted to help me succeed and I'm succeeding.
0: To learn more, go to safeplacetosleep.org today. Navigating through the minefield of misinformation, intelligence operations, predictive programming, this is Connecting the Dots with Matt Eric on today's News Talk TNT Radio. All right. Welcome back for the third segment of the second hour with Michelle Shusudovsky. And uh, we were just describing a little bit of the growth, the evolution of this absurdly insane imperial um, outlook that has sought to destroy Russia for over a century. Um, which is shaping the context and the tempo of everything else that we're seeing unfolding, especially the, the what's going on in the Middle East, the attention to to uh, blow up Iran and other things, pretty much everything. Um, so I think it's important to have that context, that framework in which to to balance things out. And, and so hence the show connecting the dots. I got a question, though, as you were talking earlier and you mentioned the, this um, little known, the extremely important invasion of uh, Russia after the the 1917 revolution, by this NATO-style invasion, which lasted for quite some time, I was thinking a little bit about what I heard Putin say when Putin, uh, with Tucker Carlson, was going through a little bit of the the uh, the history, the backdrop regarding the manipulation of of artificial nationalist identities, the creation. Where does Ukraine as a as a current nation with its current boundaries? Where does it come from? And he brought up. Um, how he was he said, you know, I, I think he has his hypotheses, but he was like, for some reason, Lenin chose to provide for um, a sort of a, a type of of constitution that would give a lot of liberty for these these different uh, parts of the Russian Empire, the former Russian Empire to become breakaway nations effectively. Um, and he was and he kept on saying, for some reason, I don't know why he did that. Now, I do think. I wasn't thinking about the U.S. military invasion, uh, well, broader West military invasion. But do you think that that has something to do with what was maybe uh, pressuring Lenin to do what he did when he did it in the early 20s?
1: Well, Lenin, uh, uh, first of all, um, understood that they had made some rather serious mistakes at the beginning uh, and I, again, it was it it, it there still in a in a situation of war, and it, in different parts of, of, of the country. Um, but then, in the early nineteen twenties, he initiated the what was called a new economic policy.
0: Yeah,
1: and the new economic policy was essentially a form of it was a mixed economy. There were there would be capitalist enterprises and the irony is that they were also uh, they also had an exchange with western countries they were anxious to to have uh you know uh, i mean um they had um um they had uh, links with with us uh, um enterprises um and and western enterprises in in western europe and so on and and i at that particular juncture it it up until his death in 1923 it was a it was a project of a mixed economy in the wake of of a major well it's not only world war 1 it was also this uh this uh, this um war against the soviet union which came to term about 2 years later i um, depending on the region but it continued in the in southern Russia it, it continued up until 19 1923 mm-hmm. and uh and so on but um I think what's important now um, if, if we follow through on on uh I, I mean obviously Putin there are certain issues Putin will not address uh but um I think that what is important from the standpoint of the United States and Western countries in general is uh is the nuclear issue mm. in a contemporary context uh, and um I've, I've been covering that um for more than well for about 20 years uh, uh but I I think that really what what I what is very important is that in the wake of 9-11, uh, the United States, in other words, the Bush administration formulated uh, what they call the nu- Nuclear Posture Review. And essentially what they were putting forth was uh, a doctrine uh, of um, preemptive nuclear, uh, it's preemptive, nuclear doctrine, where the nuclear weapon becomes an instrument of self-defense. Now, mm. it sounds absurd because uh, this is a weapon of mass destruction. And then they said, well, these mini nukes, which are, which explode underground, they're bunker buster bombs, they have... Well, they have a capacity between one third and twelve times a Hiroshima bomb, it's not negligible, but they're smaller. They're, they're the mini nukes. Now, they were there. in this nuclear posture review, they started to redefine, and they said there's a certain category of nuclear weapons which are quote safe for civilians because the explosion is underground. It's absolute rubbish and nonsense. Okay um i i checked the documents at 20 feet underground it it just goes up like that it mm-hmm. and it's and these bombs are as i said one third to six there were six times and, and and some versions are 12 times but the thing is that they say uh these bombs are harmless to civilians and they've been recategorized as conventional weapons oh. and to that extent, that it might be a three-star general who will take it from the weapons toolbox—they they use those terms—and it doesn't even, uh, God forbid, it doesn't include Joe Biden's green light. But the the thing is, um, what is what has occurred is, first of all, the politicians believed in their own propaganda this is propaganda but it's in the military manuals now uh just to to put it in simplified terms um your people who are viewing this program many of them are smoking right mm-hmm. smoking cigarettes well it is a or bit other. like
0: yeah.
1: yes it's a bit like changing the label of the bomb and and instead of saying uh, saying uh, this this bomb this is a peacemaking bomb uh, good for your health yeah? it's a bit like saying you have a pack of cigarettes on the back and which says smoking is detrimental can cause cancer well then you change the label and say smoking is good for your health that's what they did with the with the mini nukes. So, and, uh, when,
0: when, what time frame uh, was this brought in into the strategic doctrine of the United of the United States and the the broader NATO West?
1: Well, yeah, the, the, limited
0: the, the, limited thermonuclear war being something uh, workable that we should factor into our calculus. Like, when when did that become a? Uh,
1: well, I, I, I mean, the thing is that during the during the Cold War, there was this notion of of um, mutually assured destruction. Yeah. they they called it the mad doctrine but it, it was mad it was less mad than what we've got now mutually mm-hmm. ad- assured destruction was the recognition by the soviet union and by the united states and also the other nuclear powers of course israel is a nuclear state okay mm-hmm. it has it has a very advanced weapons system and that's why it's this is very scary so they the, the, mutually assured destruction was the doctrine. And deterrence was the doctrine. And then, what happened after the after the Cold War was over, uh, a new doctrine developed, and it it is the preemptive. So that and and the preemptive means that you might even use a nuclear weapon on a first strike basis to prevent you from being attacked. Now, the, the, this this is this is where the absurdity comes in. And um, and um, and then and that's where the military-industrial complex comes in. Uh, a few years later, and it started under Obama. Obama is the most dangerous president they've had uh, uh, in the United States. He initiated uh, a nuclear weapons program, which was initially one trillion dollars. It's gone up to one point three trillion on the under the, well that was even under under Trump and now under Biden, and it is slated to be two trillion dollars by uh by uh 2030. So we're talking about a tremendous amount of money assigned to producing preemptive nuclear bombs, which in effect are totally dysfunctional. The the only thing that Is is well? They're dangerous. That's clear, Uh, but uh, they don't involve any kind of advancement in nuclear technology, and they used uh, they used as a as a pre well essentially they used to to fill the pockets of the military industrial complex because there you've got a trillion dollars and say let's go ahead with it Um, now. uh, Hopefully, uh, hopefully for the the producers of these bombs uh they'll get their money before they they're used but the, mm. i'm sorry for being cynical but <laughs> but the thing is they believe hillary clinton is on on record when she was candid for the presidency she said nuclear weapons are on the table nuclear weapons are on the table that means we. We contemplate their use, but we're contemplating their use to defend ourselves uh, as a as self-defense, preemptive. And we can use we can use nuclear weapons against non-nuclear states as well. So let's say if if um, if Iran uh, attacks us in in the in the Red Sea. Uh, we can use nuclear weapons on a preemptive basis against Iran, and and that kind of that kind of argument is ongoing. So yeah, and, is- and
0: it's kind of it's kind of scary too the way that they're trying to blur the language to uh, confuse people who are listening or consuming Western media and analysts to think that okay, Iran is also Iran proxies, and then they redefine and they say oh, but Hezbollah that's an Iran proxy, so it's kind of like Iran or or the Houthis that that's like Iran. And so they're 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 sort of blurring the line of like, well, what is Iran? At, at what point? What where do you know? Where's the red line over what is a? Yeah. Anyway, sorry.
1: I I, I, I think you're absolutely right, but I think what is ongoing is is sort of a a multiplicity of potential false flags. Okay. Yes, yes. They they'll say that well, the Syrians are attacking us. The Hezbollah is attacking us, and and the Houthis are attacking us. And uh, and now we need to we need to bring in a few more uh, um, a few more naval vessels into the picture uh, so that we can defend ourselves and defend Israel. Okay, Mm -hmm. and Israel is being attacked by the Palestinians. So that there's a whole load of 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 statements which don't make sense. Uh, These are small. These are countries with limited. uh, I'm not talking about Iran, but but let's say Hezbollah. Is is a movement in in Lebanon uh, and the Houthis are in Yemen and so on. Now there's also another aspect which is very very crucial. It's the control over long distance um, uh, maritime war, um, trade. Okay, mm-hmm. so so clearly the the Red Sea is 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 absolutely um, strategic. Uh, and so is, of course, the Suez Canal. And now they're forcing the Chinese to go around Africa, um, and 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 so that this, in a sense, this war theater in the Middle East is also tied up into into the the threats directed against China. Uh, and China's a, in a sense, well, in a nutshell, China's a very complex. Uh, type of relationship to to the united states because in the in the sphere of of uh, in the sphere of production and trade they are allies you've got thousands of u.s companies that are there you have contracting arrangements and everything that we consume in the west comes from china okay well i exaggerate but i mean consumer goods uh, so if they are to wage a war on China, a, a military uh, from a military standpoint, this is going to literally undermine the whole structure of trade and 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 consumption throughout the world. Uh, I, I think people who who go to the supermarket, uh, to the you know to the to the shopping malls are familiar that practically all the things that they buy um on a on a weekly basis uh is, is comes from china and and then the whole issue of of uh, long distance trade is affected by uh, uh by what's going on um uh, so that's another dimension um, i i've uh, and china's not a, is not a, a communist country it's a full-fledged capitalist country um I've been going to China for the last thirty years, uh, and uh, and I understand very clearly uh, that that um, that this is uh, this is a country which had an alliance with the United States, and now that alliance is in the pro is in crisis because yeah. the Chinese ha- have advanced tremendously in in terms of of advanced technology. Uh, and they also have an alliance with the with with Russia. So there we yeah. are. that that is the the nature of of the, the geopolitical context which is unfolding, yeah, no
0: that that's extremely important. And it's almost a joke to when you when you listen to a lot of the the uh, McCarthyite revival that's going on right now trying to portray China as this, commie, uh, authoritarian uh, caricature, and, and a lot of Americans are buying this up. It, it, it's such a contrast to like actually looking at the malls, the, the TV, the media, everything else in China. It's so similar to the West. That being said, Michelle Chusudovsky, you have been amazing. Thank you so much. Globalresearch.ca, fantastic resource. Everybody should use this. And I'm looking forward to future conversations with you. Thank you so much.